Hello and welcome to DigitalAudioProject.com Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is an amendment to episode 6. I want to cover a few things, add on to this show for a reason. Uh, first reason is this is my most explicit show. It's my most controversial show. I get down and dirty talking about sin and what it is, what it means, some of the words we attach to it. But I want you guys to know that what I talk about in this show comes right out of biblical truth. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, Jesus talks about uh, do not murder. You've heard it said, do not murder in the law. Well, if you are using words like Jesus uses the word against a brother like raka, you are answerable to the judge. Uh, using this parable, using this analogy, Jesus is talking about how you know, we are judging other people and causing murder in their heart. Or if you use the words, you fool, you jerk. Whatever kind of words we use to injure someone. The word raka, I believe, in biblical times meant to strike. We have a word like that in society today, and I talk about that word in this show. Why? Because I believe it's important, very important, especially in the 2006 today, our culture. Another thing I wanted to talk about is my drinking. Uh, I talk about drinking in this episode. I talk about how I'm not perfect, that I might get short with my kids, that I might have, you know, I might drink too much. I want you to know that I'm not an alcoholic. I did not trade one addiction for another. That is very important for you to understand. I think that it is dangerous to think that um, to get out of one addiction, you need to take on another addiction. Um, I am not an alcoholic. Uh, what I was going through back when this was recorded in December of '05 was the fact that I might have a couple of beers, uh, one or two beers every night, just to uh, take that edge off, you know, get home at the end of the day, have two or three beers to get that little beer buzz going is what I was doing. And over time, I realized here in April of 06, after immersing myself in some of this information that I've done to do this show, that I was using this little buzz to medicate me in some way. I was using it to, uh, you know, wh whatever reason I was using it for, it was controlling me to a certain degree, and I had to face that. Why did I need that? Why should I let a substance control me? Why? I, I had to face that. So, I want you to know that. I wouldn't want you to even listen to me if I was uh, doing that. I do not encourage people to trade one addiction for another. Very important. And I want you to know that I have a phone number now for ASI. If you'd like to call in, be a caller to the show, leave a voicemail message at 425-645-7900. Or, if you'd like to write me via snail mail or send a donation with a check, if you feel more comfortable with that, it's Russ Shaw, P.O. Box 2526, Everett, Washington, USA, 98213-0526. Here you go, my most controversial episode ever. Episode 6, You're Not a Sum Total of Your Sin.
integrity. A little disclaimer on today's show, all the shows are marked explicit, but today's show carries more of an R rating than the usual PG-13 rating, so if you got any young ones running around and want to put on the headphones and listen to this show, it's going to be a little more intense. I've uh, been getting some email. Just wanted to address a couple of things. A uh, technical issue I wanted to talk about. I have uh, been uploading the last two shows in 40K uh, bitrate, so they download a little faster. Uh, don't take up so much of your bandwidth, or, or my bandwidth, <laughs> space, and uh, get your sh- the shows to download a little faster. But some people might have a problem burning those to CDs. So I have put the shows in 64K bitrate on my website. So if you go to digitalaudioproject.com slash ASI, you can download uh, episode 4 and episode 5, as well as this episode, in uh, the 64K bitrate, which is a little better audio quality, as much as you can get. Me doing the show in my car most of the time, or over the phone. But yeah, for some of you who might have a problem down, you know, downloading them to your iPod or your MP3 player, I know iPods will support anything all the way down to 32-bit rate. There's some other MP3 players out there that might have a hard time with that. So if you go to digitalaudioproject.com, slash ASI and you can download those right from the website you click on the episodes and it'll show all the episodes you can download those from there and I encourage you to burn those to CDs and give them to your friends give them to your pastor it's important stuff this problem is uh, bigger than most churches I think want to talk about, want to address I think most pastors and most church folks don't realize how big of a, an issue it is. Some uh, recent statistics have explained that about one out of three men, speaking about men here in church, uh, are viewing pornography on a regular basis and maybe actually into a, an addictive process. And by addiction, I mean habitual. I mean, if you look at the word addiction in the dictionary, it's a little play on words there, isn't it? A little tongue twister. At any rate, if you look up addiction in the dictionary, it, it says it's a habit, basically a negative habit that is hard to break. And that's what an addiction is, and that's what uh, pornography is. It's an addiction. I, I, it almost bothers me sometimes to hear people like uh, Dr. Laura, for example, saying that it's not an addiction and, you know, it's not that hard to quit. Well, I disagree. Like Dr. Clark said on the last show, it uh, has to do with the chemicals in your brain. You have a chemical in your brain called dopamine that produces this, get this adrenaline rush, this excitement, this uh, this charge, if you will, from pornography. And it's a, it's a chemical addiction. It's a chemical process that goes through your mind. And it can be broken. Because I've done it. Something that Dr. Clark said about metaphors in the last show made me rethink episode four a little bit where I might have gotten so metaphorical on you folks that I might have lost some of you 
and I, I learned with metaphors. I like to, the stories, the analogies. That's the way I learn, basically. I'm kind of ADD. I have a problem with paying attention to stuff if it's not put in a story form or made some interesting in some way. So I'm, give me some feedback on that. Russ at digitalaudioproject.com if you if I'm getting too a little too metaphorical on you, if I'm going a little crazy with the analogies, you know, let me know. But I did want to clarify some of the stuff in episode four. I've got some emails and, and I wanna I just wanna re explain some of that. When I was talking about the lion, Alec the Lion, I, I've heard so many times growing up and, and you folks have probably heard it too, it is in pornography, you know, pornography objectifies women. And I never really quite knew what that meant until I heard the series uh, until I heard the series by Tim Lucas at liquidchurch.org on porn and the Bible where he talks a lot about this smash and grab sexuality that we have nowadays this sexuality that is only focused on us where we just use pornography or whatever images in our mind to satisfy our own selves where in the Madagascar movie Alex the Lion was looking at uh, folks as fellow animals there as pieces of meat literally because he's a lion in the Bible uh, Paul talks about the food for the stomach and the stomach for food but we are uh, we are part of Christ's crucified but we don't need to think that way anymore your spirit is stronger than your flesh having a sexual appetite is healthy it's just where you direct it is it going to be towards pleasing your mate making her or him feel good about who they are about your love as a couple or is it just about taking and satisfying yourself? Using sex to just satisfy your own selfish, narcissistic lust. It's changing those attitudes in your mind. Because it's all, it's an attitude. It's using sex to satisfy your own selfish deal, or my own selfish deal in my case. It was an attitude of, a lot of it came out of anger. A lot of it came out of just me wanting to satisfy myself. And in this show, I talk about the fact that I had two counselors, Counselor Bob and Counselor Alec, and and I want to try to address what both of those guys talked about, because they both helped me out tremendously. Even though I talk about Counselor Bob, the guy who addressed the surface issues, the symptoms, that stuff was really important. The deep stuff was was equally as important. It was going down and finding out what I was what kind of fire I was feeding. Got an email from a guy who felt a lot like I did and I can totally relate to the way you feel. I'm in total empathy with you and he said I just feel like sometimes I just feel like I'm just a horny bastard. And I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling I'm just a sexual deviant, you know, what the heck is wrong with me? you got to try and break out of those thought processes and, and think of yourself as, as who you are. You know, if you're a Christian, you're bought for a price. Our members are, our body is part of Christ Jesus. That's who we are. One of the big problems with churches nowadays is they make us feel even more shameful and nasty and gross in the sight of God than you know we already are. 
talk about the armor of God. I'll be doing a show on that soon. And one of the things in the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. And you just got to remember that you have that helmet on. If you're Christian and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you have the helmet of salvation. And the devil's going to get in there and do everything he can to try and make you think that you're not saved. You're not, you know, you're not. You're going straight to the hot place, man. You're, you're a sick sexual deviant. Look what you did. That's what he says. Don't listen to the enemy. One of the words for the devil in the Bible is the accuser of the brethren. That's exactly what he does. He's looking for anything that he can to get you to feel even lower about yourself. Because the lower you feel about who you are, the better for the enemy. It's how he gets you beat. It's how he knocks you down. Making you feel low. Making you feel like crap about yourself. Some of your recovery might be learning who you are. Who am I? heard a sermon by our pastor, Pastor Rick Deason, at Allen Creek Community Church up here in Washington State, up here in Marysville, Washington. He did a great series, God at War, and, and he's talking about who are you? And that kind of woke me up and helped me start this ministry, actually. I started realizing who I am. In October, I'd gone a year without using pornography, and I know it was on my heart to help folks with this. But you know, I'm not perfect. I'm like everybody else. I'm still broken. I've still got my issues. I probably swear too much. I still drink too much, probably. I'm short with my kids sometimes, like a lot of you, I'm sure. I'm kind of a mess. Got my issues at work. I'm not perfect, but... Jesus didn't pick perfect people. If you look in the Bible, Paul was kind of uh, the Marilyn Manson of his era. I mean, here was Paul was a guy who was uh, hated Christians and would kill Christians. Paul murdered Christians, and he turned himself around. But it's not all about being perfect. Peter wasn't perfect. Everybody knows that. Denied Christ three times. It's not about your sin. It's not about who you are in your flesh. Who you are is not this fleshy thing that you're living in now. Look down at your hands. Don't let the enemy try and trick you into believing your flesh is just all you are. It's only half of who you are. The battlefield of this sexual addiction and conquering this is in your mind. And I still fight it. You know, I've got a lot of freedom, but I still fight my flesh daily. But you have a dark side. Paul talked about what I know I should do, I don't do, and what I don't do, I do. Living in the flesh. But it's when we realize who we are in Jesus, how we've been bought for a price, how we're part of the body of Christ that's when we can start gaining some victory. But the battlefield is in your mind. It's in your flesh. It's your spirit versus your flesh. That's why I love that story with the Indian chief so much. It's such a good illustration of the flesh versus the spirit. Your good dog versus your bad dog. What's in your heart? Your heart is both flesh and spirit. Your emotions, your part of you that feels part of you that loves part of you that gets discouraged there's a war going on and your heart is the flag your precious 
God-given heart and soul. Maybe it's got calloused. Maybe it's got stony over the years. Maybe you've got so discouraged and so pissed off at yourself that you've built a shell around it. I love the story of Peter and Peter would try and make deals with God. You ever done that? I'll never do this again, Lord. Just, you know, get me out of the situation. You know, I'd be in car would break down or something horrible would be happening in my life. Lord, please, I'll never look at porn again if you just please get me out of this situation. You know, I'd sit here and try and make deals and, you know, God knows our heart. Don't you make deals with God. That's not what He's interested in. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in, in getting inside your heart and having a relationship with you. Peter did this. Oh, I'll never let nothing happen to you, Lord. It'll be okay. Don't let anything... And Jesus just looked at him and said, before the cock crows three times... You will deny me three times. And right after that, the, the cock crowed. And Peter cried. Because he knew Jesus was right. Our willpower alone is not sufficient to conquer this thing. We've got to submit ourselves to, to the Lord. We've got to submit ourselves to Jesus who loves us. came to die for us. I just pray that you remember that. It's Christmas time here as episode 6 is being recorded and uploaded. And I just want you to look at this Christmas stuff all around you here in the, in the States. Some people are trying to pull down Christmas a little bit and say, put up the happy holiday signs. Don't tell the uh, lawyers and stuff, but hap- happy holidays actually means happy holy days. Holidays comes from a Greek word meaning holy days. Or was it Hebrew? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Just don't tell the ACLU. They'll be, they'll have lawyers out there. But seriously, I want you to look at some of this, the Christmas stuff, and and just remember why Jesus came here to free us, to free us from from our own sinful nature. We're all broken. We're all messed up. You know, God bless some of you folks that are in churches that have had problems and issues and stuff, and. There's just a lot of stuff. Pastors aren't perfect. They're like everybody else. I heard a guy talking about people who are church shoppers, and he says, if you find the perfect church, you better not go join it because you'll just mess it up. (laughs) There is no perfect church. Church people can get into routines and just go to church on Sunday and we go to church maybe Wednesday night, Sunday night, you know, and we read the Bible, and it can get very mechanical. Jesus is interested in our heart. You know, Peter wept. Jesus wept. They got emotional. The church isn't this building with the mortar and steel and stuff. The church is people getting involved in people's lives, being a soldier. God knows I don't believe and agree with everything that Kanye West says, but I love that song. Beginning of that song, Jesus Walks. He says, most of all, we're fighting a war against ourselves. The devil's trying to break us down every step of the way. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. Jesus walks with me. In episode four, I talked about the red lizard analogy. And that's a C.S. Lewis story. And I believe what C.S. Lewis was trying to communicate there was that we are spirit is the young man, the red lizard is this sinful nature, this flesh 
the sin we're caught up in and what it tells us, what it says to us. I could totally identify with the Red Lizard story because porn did something for me. You know, it was always there. It was something I had. It was that Red Lizard that tormented me, but it kept me company at the same time. The Red Lizard is the surface symptom that may soothe us from our inner pain. And you need to identify that and find out what that is, what, what kind of broken relationships you have, you have or have had in the past. And as psychologically cliche as this might sound, it can go all the way back to your childhood. I mean, I had stuff from my childhood all the way up to my current marriage that I had to deal with. From being sexually molested when I was young to not being able to talk to my wife because I was afraid she wasn't a safe place for me to put my heart, my emotions. I think a lot of guys feel that way. You know, I talk about intimacy and why are guys afraid of intimacy? There's old us guys getting guys to talk about their feelings. Here we go. You know, it's not just talking about your feelings. It's, uh, I think intimacy is sharing your heart. It's putting your heart in somebody else's hands and making yourself vulnerable to having it hurt, possibly. And guys are, man, we're sensitive to that. Women are too, but I think guys are especially. I think women are stronger emotionally with their heart than men are. But women can build up a, a pretty stony, crusty kind of a shell around their heart as well as men. Women's emotions seem to flow all together like a river where a man's emotions can be put in boxes and separated and stacked up. And That's why us guys can be, I mean, we can have stuff that can be tearing us up that we we don't even see it on the surface at all. But God is pushing on that pain. We need to deal with this. And it might come out as pornography or having an unforgiving spirit or just being bitter, soothing your bitterness, soothing your unforgiveness. Whatever it is, we've got to get in there and deal with it. But I want to get into your mind that you are not the sum total of your sins, and you need to look at that person, that side of you, that spirit side of you that's listening to this show. Give yourself some credit for that. If you're listening to my voice... You're doing some awesome work on your spirit. You're at least acknowledging the problem, and that's to be commended. You need to start forgiving you. Talk about dealing with emotional issues. I went to a men's retreat, and the speaker gave us a paper. It's about 12 to 15 of us there. He gave us each a, a piece of paper to draw a picture of somebody we would like to throw darts at, somebody you'd like to strike. And I drew a picture of myself. I had so much problems and issues and I was just so mad at my sinful nature that I drew me and I stuck me up there and I threw darts at me and then after everybody threw darts at who they were mad at uh, he lifted back the bullseye and it was a picture of Jesus underneath so I said if I'm throwing darts at myself I'm throwing darts at Jesus and it's like yeah you know you've been bought for a price Jesus died so you don't have the right to throw darts at yourself. You don't have the right to be pissed off at you. One of my favorite movies I watch every Thanksgiving is uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. John Candy and Steve Martin, they end up as travelers 
zigzagging the country on trying to get home for Thanksgiving, and Steve Martin is is almost kind of tormented by this guy he's got to ride with. Totally not his personality type, totally not the kind of guy that he would hang out with. John Candy, in the beginning of the film, steals his cab, and they end up uh, travel buddies. And The scene in the movie that really touched my heart was after they've been traveling together for a few days, and they're in this hotel room, and, and Steve Martin is just tired, and he's trying to get some sleep, and he's laying there, and and you know John Candy's making all these noises with his trying to clear his throat and get himself to breathe, you know, and goes in there and his socks are hanging up and his underwear and everything is just all over the place and this guy's just a, a slob and Steve Martin just finally gets totally fed up and he jumps out of bed and he starts just on this total verbal onslaught of John Candy's character and just saying you're stupid and you're fat and you're you're annoying you know and just starts you know it'd be nice if your stories had a point just tearing into this guy about everything he didn't like about him and John Candy stands there for a moment a good actor not just a good comedic actor but in this scene he was he was really good I mean you could see that he's emotionally distraught by this whole verbal onslaught and he says uh, he says you know he says, cold-hearted guy like yourself can just go ahead and go off on me and attack me. And he says, you know what? He says, but I like me. He says, how do you like that? He says, my wife likes me. My customers like me. I'm not going to let you stand here and, and tear me down. And that story, that little part of that movie was so like me. That was me. I was having a fight with myself a lot of times. It's that good dog, bad dog story again. My de- bad dog inside me, my evil, my black dog was just tearing me down. Telling me how much of a piece of crap I was. You're just a sexual, a sick person. I had to shut that off. I had no right to call myself that. I am a piece of the body of Christ. I have no right to rip into me like that. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. I'm still working on that. Call myself stupid or dumbass or something like that. Do you do that? Do you call yourself names? You get so pissed off and discouraged with yourself. Jesus loves you despite all that stuff. It's funny, we'll try and bargain with God. We'll try and beat up our own selves you know, help Jesus out or something. We're going to beat the crap out of ourselves to make Jesus, uh, you know, not have him hurt so bad. Or I don't know what it is why we beat ourselves so badly. At when as Christians we've been we've been bought for a price. Like I said, you know, Peter says, you know, he hears that they're coming for Jesus, and and uh, you know, they're, Peter's like, oh, I won't let him hurt you. I'm not going to let him harm a hair on your head. You know, and what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus has to do this. It's a gift that's been given to us. It's okay to be angry and frustrated with yourself, but when you start acting out on yourself, beating yourself up, sometimes acting out sexually can be part of it. I'm just a piece of garbage. This is what I do. I remember having those kind of fights with myself. And I think the main point of dying to yourself is not indulging the flesh wants what the flesh wants and we get mad at ourselves because we give it what it wants don't indulge your flesh dying to self 
I believe, is looking at the stuff that your flesh wants to do, whether it be self-righteousness or sexual sin or unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness can mean of you as well, of yourself. Looking at that and saying, this is what my flesh wants to do so bad, and then pushing through it, relying on your spirit, relying on God. Pray to God in those moments where you feel the heavy weight of your flesh wanting to indulge. And it can start with those little thoughts, like I've said before. Keep snuffing out them little thoughts that feed the hunger. Before it was full-blown disobedience, I was entertaining these little thoughts that would creep into my mind and they'd get bigger and bigger and I would just think about certain situations or certain people or certain, you know, something triggers it something you see on TV or somebody you see on the street or at work or something and as those thoughts build and as you keep going over those thoughts in your mind there's a scripture in Job that talks about a sinful man's thoughts are like a cow chewing his cud I thought that was pretty poignant because that was me I would think about that stuff and go over it and over it and over it in my mind until the snowball rolling down the hill was big and I'd end up in sexual indulgence. I'd end up failing. Identifying your enemy is not just the sin itself. It's what can lead up to that sin. What is the little thoughts that are driving you towards that sin? And what are you going to do when those thoughts pop into your mind? Are you going to entertain them? Are you going to follow them? And if you do, it doesn't mean you're evil or you're a slut or you're a horny bastard or whatever. That's not what it means. You, You need to find out what is causing you to act out sexually if that's part of your transgression. The Bible says that sexual sin is a sin against our own body. Every other sin is a sin outside your body, but a sexual sin is a sin against yourself. Man or woman that's caught up in sexual immorality is sinning against their own flesh. And it's not just physical, although that is part of it. When I was younger, I caught just about every sexually transmitted disease there was. With God's grace, I'm just so glad I didn't get AIDS or herpes that could have scarred me for life. But that's just physical stuff. The scars and the wounds we put on our own hearts and our own souls are much, much worse. Much, much deeper. And the itching and the burning and the pissing razor blades is nothing compared to losing your family. It's like Dr. Gerhardt said, uh, the symptoms of sexual sin are not just a disease that will stay in your physical body, but the spiritual and ramifications it will go outside your family hurt your kids your wife your future wife your future husband your future kids generations of grandkids and and folks that you don't even know yet the it's not just the disease that's in your flesh that we need to worry about our society today has gone into the soul safe sex type of culture and it's true you can go out there and have sex with a lot of people wear a condom and not get nothing it's pretty risky you're putting your life in between a two thousandths of an inch thick piece of rubber but nonetheless sex is still fairly safe 
Maybe it's safe for your flesh if you practice all the safe sex stuff, but it ain't safe for your spirit. It's not safe for your family. Not safe for your own heart. I had a friend who had a dictionary, English dictionary, that had every word you could think of in it, even the dirty ones. So, of course, being a goofy, screwed-up, fleshly teenager type, we started looking up dirty words. And the definition that stuck with me the most was the definition of the F word. And I told you this was going to be an explicit show, and here goes. The word fuck means to strike. This four-letter word that is probably one of the biggest curse words in our vocabulary as a society, used in some pretty deviously colorful ways, means to strike. More precisely, it means to strike with malice or strike with aggression. You know, people say F you or F this or F that. Or if you're going to get in a fight with somebody, I'm going to F that person up. How ironically appropriate that the same word is used for sex. I just want to fuck her. I just want to fuck him. That's what it means to strike, not just to strike against someone else, but to strike against you, your own flesh, like the Bible says. One of the biggest scriptures recited it a lot when I went to uh, the old churches I used to go to that made me feel like I was uh, a sinner that wasn't worthy of grace. One of the favorite scriptures they liked to recite was uh, Paul talking to the Corinthians when he said that all the people who are adulterers, people caught up in sexual immorality, homosexuals, the liars, all those folks were not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I just assumed I was going straight to hell. And that's what I deserve. It's what we all deserve. But the gospel of grace, God's grace, which is so incredibly something which we can't even fathom how great God's grace is. The scripture right after that verse says that you are all saints. He was talking to the Corinthians who had a society that was engulfed in sexual immorality. You think this century is bad with all the porn and stuff we have, but the city of Corinth was pretty bad. And that was Paul's point, is that you're all saints. You're all part of the body of Christ. Jesus shed his blood, broke his bones for us. We've been bought for a price. Jesus died on the cross because he loves us. God loves us that much. And how are we going to repay him for that? I mean, how do you, when somebody loves you that much, gives you that kind of gift, that's what Paul was trying to get into the Corinthians' head, was your saints. Saints don't behave in this fashion. He said if you unite yourself with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. What I didn't understand is I was saved. Jesus gave me that gift of salvation. God broken on the cross. And in that, we become parts of Jesus. We become parts of Jesus' flesh. We're reminded of that in communion. Eat the bread and drink the cup. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for his blood that was spilled for us and his bones that were broke for us. And if I love God, I love God so much for what he's done for me that I'm a part of him. I can't strike. I can't use my body to strike against other folks. I can't be linking myself up with a flickering image on a screen. Not only was I supporting an industry that enslaves people and destroys lives and families, destroys the lives of some of the people in the films, destroys their reputations, not only 
only was I supporting that with my body, I was striking against my own body. I was striking myself. In the truest sense of the word. The Bible says words are things. They're not just words, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's not true. Words carry tremendous power. I hope I didn't offend anybody to using the F word, but I just think it's important to identify the enemy. Some of the power of that word is the fact that people just throw it around and don't know what it really means. It means to strike with malice, with hurtful intent. And listen, I just want you guys to know, I just want all the listeners listening to the show to know that I am not trying to throw down any judgment on you with this episode at all. Because I am talking about myself in every episode I talk about. It was me. I'll let you behind the counter see the depravity of my nasty, sinful self. But the reason you're listening to my voice tonight, the reason I even do this show, is that I'm, I'm not the sum total of the, my sinful nature. My spirit is not that person, that that flesh person is the old way, as the Bible calls it, the old man. The old man does not define who I am. My flesh does not define who I am in my spirit, my soul. So that's my prayer for you. Guys, because most of us are visually turned on, we're visually stimulated, keep practicing that eye bounce like I talked about in episode 4. When you see that person and you know that your next thoughts are going to be of striking her. Or ladies, if you're visually stimulated, striking him. When you start thinking like that, before you start thinking like that, you bounce your eyes. Because that's the next thought. The spark falls out onto the ground and it if it's not stomped out right away, it grows a little bigger. It grows a little bigger. It grows a little bigger. Then pretty soon it's a raging fire that's consuming everything around you. Your relationship with God, your family, your wife, your job. So practice that eye bounce before you drink in that image of that person. Before your mind starts going to striking or snuff out those thoughts. And I want to reiterate, never, ever give up. Never give up. Keep getting back up when you fall down. That was one of the biggest things for me, As I would quit. I would give up. I would just say, oh, this is way too hard. And it was hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Just never, ever quit. Never give up. You get knocked down, you get back up. Cry out to God when you feel like you're going to fail. And that's hard to do. I did it a few times. I think the key is catching your thoughts before they get to that point when you know you're going to fail and you cry out to God because, you know, it's kind of hard to call the police when you're about ready to rob someplace. It's like being the burglar and you just broke the window and you're calling the cops. God just isn't present in our mind when we're looking at those images and thinking about dropping our pants. Usually when you're at that point, you've gone too far. So I challenge you to... Keep working on this, man. Keep snuffing out them thoughts. Keep doing what you need to do. You're reading your Bible in the morning, or you're setting aside 15 minutes morning or night to read the Bible a little bit. Do you pray? Are you getting your prayer life going again? you got to have God in your corner. you got to have the Lord there. you got to lean on the power of the Lord. So, I've gone through the whole trinity. God is creator who came to earth in flesh 
crucified on the cross and now lives inside of each and every one of us Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and it's not about religion it's about relationship relationship with God the holy loving God loves us no matter what go see the Narnia movie the Chronicles of Narnia movie it's awesome you'll enjoy it the mighty powerful lion the Christ figure mighty powerful God who died for the us the Edmonds of the world now it's our turn to get up and fight pick up arms and fight flesh our sinful nature thanks for downloading the show please don't go run to your pastor and say I heard this Christian guy use the F word on a podcast show hey sometimes I gotta rattle your cage a little bit take the power away from the words like the F word send me an email this whole show today was email driven because some folks sent me an email you'll always be kept in confidence I will never use your real name unless you want me to unless you specifically tell me to I didn't use any names at all in today's show but today's show was inspired by email so thanks again for listening it's russ at digitalaudioproject.com send me an email tell me how you're doing Uh, if you can I would really appreciate it if you could rate my show on the Yahoo podcast just go to uh, my webpage it's uh, digitalaudioproject.com slash ASI click on uh, Yahoo podcast and if you could rate rate the shows or rate whichever show you like the most or whatever might have helped you or touched you in a certain way I would be uh, I would appreciate it very very much so thanks again for listening I want to leave you with a song by the OC Supertones actually I'm going to leave you with two songs today uh, the first one is called Louder Than the Mob great great song about our sinful nature how we uh, we are spirit we are one with Christ and but we have our fleshy nature our sin that's opposed to God it's a little song about our enemy our sin our own flesh the bad dog the black dog inside you the second song is called the shepherd is the lamb it's a great song about grace one that guides us it's also the one that was sacrificed for us we don't deserve it we're not worthy but God is worthy Jesus was the worthy substitute for all of our sin so I wanted to leave you with those two songs thanks again for listening until next week your face while I drive near your head I 
know I'm just another Thomas Won't believe until I feel the hole in your hand Then I will say, my God, I see not what you see My God, what do you see in me? My God, crowning glory, the Lamb of God is worthy. Just another Judas Kiss your face while I drive Nail in your hand I know I'm just another Thomas Won't believe until I feel the hole in your hand Then I will say my God I see now what you my God, what do you see in me? My God, crowned in glory, the Lamb of God is worthy.
This is Shepherd is the Lamb by the OC Supertones. The incarnation is God's grace made evident and obvious. People matter. Life is sacred. Men, women, and children are worth the greatest sacrifice, the supreme effort, the ultimate gift. So what becomes of those small unwanted souls? Spend their lives breaking their backs Those who take the gold For the rich and powerful Who place their feet upon their necks The shepherd is the lamb Do you understand? That God became a man The shepherd is the lamb Where can the junkies go When I has laid them low Are they truly on their own Seems like we've lost our way Like sheep we have gone astray Can anybody Lead us home. The shepherd is the lamb. Do you understand? The God became a man. The shepherd is the lamb. The shepherd is the lamb. Do you understand? The God became a man. The shepherd is the lamb It is the amazing manifestation of his unshakable love For the unloved and the unlovely The weak and the base, the unworthy and the unwarranted The rebels and the sinners You and me The shepherd is the lamb. 